So we're gathering together and it just feels like, man, we've got so much going on and going on and going on. <clears throat> and there's another thing that, uh, you know, um, I get to share with you, um, and I hope that you have been contacted. We have um, approximately um, just over 200 volunteers in this church that help keep this church moving forward and going, um, that are serving on a team somewhere. And we kind of want you to know, and we actually don't kind of want you to know, we want you to know that uh, next week um, at 6 o'clock, we have rented out Galaxy Bowling. We will be the only ones in Galaxy Bowling from 6 till 8 o'clock. Bring your spouse, bring your children, bring your family. Let's have a wonderful time. We are going to have pizza, and, and we're paying for everything. All you have to do is show up. We like to throw a party and celebrate our volunteers around here. A couple of times uh, when those two Star Wars movies came out, we rented the whole theater, and we were the only ones in the theater. Just our church was. It was so cool to, um, to be having fun together like that. Um, we've had snacks. We've had... Um, things that we've done here physically in the church. We've uh, made hats. We've made scarves. Well, this year, the staff was like, hey, um, we want to go bowling. And it's like, for serious? You want to go bowling? And it's like, yes, we want to go bowling. So we all want to go bowling. We're going to be the only ones in there for those couple of hours. Um, and um, we're going to have food for everybody. It's just going to be a lot of fun. We appreciate our, you're coming, our volunteers that are uh, in the church. And we want to thank you for that. So um, we're gathered together and we're beginning our Christmas series. I wanted to begin it uh, this particular Sunday. Just I didn't want to wait till we got into uh, December. But we want to do a, a, a sermon series called Hoping for Mary. The reason we want to do this uh, sermon series, or the reason I want to do this sermon series, is because um, I continue to have conversations with people that are like, I'm so fo I'm looking so forward to Christmas, it's going to be so exciting, it's going to be so wonderful, and then when they get to January, they're with me, and they're like, oh man, it was so exhausting, and it was so stressful, and it was so difficult, and now we're in debt up to our ears, and, and there's all kinds of things that are going on in their lives, and it's like, was Christmas Mary for you? And when I say Mary, hoping for Mary as in M-E-R-R-Y, not M-E-R-R-Y. We're going to talk about M-A-R-Y in just a couple of seconds, but we want to talk about hoping for Mary. And today I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about the hope um, of Christmas. Um, I, I love the Mary part, and when I looked at a dictionary, that means cheerful and lively, and I want cheerful and lively. I just don't want the stress that can potentially come with it, okay? I love the excitement, that the anticipation, um, when I'm looking forward to something and I'm hoping for something, and I'm so excited, and generally it's because we've got it in our head how it's going to be. It doesn't always pan out that way, but it's in our head how it's going to be. I remember when I was just a young man, probably, um, I would say I was probably in fifth grade maybe. My family had a 13-inch black and white television, and it was so exciting because it was so big. It was so big. And my dad is a very, very handy man, um, and he bought a Heath kit, solid state, 25-inch television set that he was going to put together. It came in a million transistors, capacitors, resistors. It was crazy. And he put a, a table up back in the laundry room, and he put all the stuff on there, and he set it all up, and it had a green army blanket on it. I can still see it. And I would walk in and stand at that table and watch him take those resistors and capacitors and all those little things that you see if you rip the back off of your television. And I watched him put all of those things in there over the months. I don't even know how long it took. But I remember the anticipation. Because back then... 25-inch color television was a movie theater. 
And we were going to have one. And we were going to be one of the first ones. And it was going to be crazy amazing. And man, I could, I, we were just hoping and hoping and hoping. And I can just about remember the time when he plugged it in the wall and turned it on. And it worked. I mean, he put it together, but you're always, you know, it's like rebuilding your own transmission and your, your automatic transmission in your car. You're like, yeah, you probably should have taken it to somebody, but you're going to give it a shot. And when it fires up and moves forward, you're like, yes, we were able to do it. And it's successful. Maybe in your life you have something else where you remember the word hope. And that hope or that anticipation was just like, oh, yeah. You know, you were hoping for your wedding. You were hoping for your birthday. You were hoping for a family vacation, whatever that might be. Well, we're headed into Christmas. And as we look at that, you're going to see Christmas written a bunch of different ways. Where did the word Christmas come from before we get into the passage that we're going to look at? Okay, maybe you've even seen it as Xmas. Maybe you're one of those people that's like, if somebody writes Xmas one more time, I'm just going to lose my stuff. Okay? Well, let me tell you why you see it as Xmas. That's actually a good thing, believe it or not. Have you ever seen the fish on the back of somebody's car? And in the middle of the fish, it says I-X-O-Y-E. And I'm using those letters to define that, but they're actually Greek letters. And actually, it means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. And it's put inside of a fish because if you take the Greek word ichthus and you write it in all capital letters, that's what it comes out to. And they used that word back in the day with Jesus because they were followers of the way and the followers of the way were told by Jesus that he was going to make them fishers of men. And so the ichthus and the however you want to say that, it's actually just an acronym, became the symbol that people would see if they were going to go meet because they had to hide from the Romans. But you could follow the fish to the fishermen. It was a really cool thing. So just understand that it's Isus, Christo, Theo, Eos, and Sotare. And those are the letters, and that's why you see it written as Xmas. It's actually okay for that to be the case. According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, that's just an online site that I went, the word Christmas originates from the phrase Christus Maese. Okay, it's first recorded in 1038, which means the mass or the church service of the Lord's Christ. It was the, 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 the gathering of Christian people that belonged to the Catholic Church, at least back then, where they celebrated the coming of Jesus. Now, I just, I'm just giving you some groundwork for Christmas. We know for a fact that Christmas was not on December 25th. We know that. There is no doubt in our minds whatsoever. If you pull a commentary off the shelf, you're going to find that somebody says it's either in October or it's in March. And one of the reasons for that you find in the book of Luke where the scripture says that the angels were watching sheep and they were out in the fields at night. It clearly was not winter. It clear, they clearly were not freezing. They clear, it, that's not what was going on because they would not have had sheep there in the winter at that time. They would have moved them. And so we see that that's what's going on. But the fact of the matter is when we look at this story, um, 
Again, reading from another website, it says, most historians have concluded that the church decreed that Christmas would be held on December 25th in order to extirpate or baptize the Roman festival that was being held on that day. And this is why. The ecclesial authorities would have, have good reasons for doing so as many of these pagan holidays enticed Christian faithful people to participate. Just like so many people that are not Christians and belong to other faiths are like, yeah, we want to celebrate Christian uh, Christmas. It's all about Santa Claus. It's all about giving gifts. It's all about, and it's, you and I know, no, it's not. No, it's not. But see, they want to participate, so they find a way to hijack. They hijacked it. They hijacked Christmas. And so we did the same thing. Christians did the same thing with that pagan holiday, that Roman pagan holiday. We saw that some of the Christian people were, you know, having a good time at the pagan holiday. And so we decided, hey, we're going to hijack that baby. And that's the way it's going to be. A Syriac manuscript from the 1100s records the dilemma this way. It was a custom of the pagans to celebrate the same December 25th as the birth of the S-U-N sun. So in their religion, that's when the sun was born, at which they kindled lights in token of festivities. In these solemnities and revelries, the Christians also took part. Okay? So accordingly... When the doctors of the church perceived that the Christians had a leaning into this festival, they took counsel and resolved that the true nativity would be solemnized on that day. They decided from now on, and this is how they said, Augustine said, we hold this day holy, not because pagans um, celebrate the birth of the S-U-N, but because we celebrate the birth of him who made the S-U-N. And they decided that's when it was going to be. And so the early church eventually formalized uh, Natalis Christi in 350 A.D. under Pope Julius I. And there you have it. There it is. And so what we're looking at today is hope. And I want to take you to the book of Luke, probably one of the most important stories or the most often used stories when preaching about Christmas. And it's the story of Mary. Even though we're looking for Mary and hoping for Mary, we're hoping for some hope in our Christmas. We'd like for it to go the way that we'd like for it to go, but one of the reasons that we did the Advent booklets is because we want you to decide, and I can't make you do it, we want you to decide to be super intentional about Christmas. Choose to be intentional about Christmas. Choose that as you face Christmas and you know you're going to be gathering together, you know you're going to be spending money on gifts, you know you're going to be eating food, you know you're going to be doing this. Choose that as you look at Christmas, you say to yourselves, we are going to be super intentional about Christmas and we want to keep Christ in it. And so our writing collective here at the Vineyard got together and produced this book, which people online are saying, how can we get a hold of that book? And so we did the extra printing but there's a daily devotional in there there's an opportunity for your family to come together once a week and light the little candles and do stuff like that it's just a great opportunity and that's why we did it because if you make christmas intentional there's a greater chance that it's going to be a merry christmas for you this year and that's what we're after so i am going to take you to the book of luke in chapter one beginning at verse 26 and we're going to talk about a young lady named mary in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
And we learn a lot about Mary just in this transaction right here. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child uh, and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked? The angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. So we want to take that story and we want to begin to say, what does it mean for you and I to have hope in this Christmas story, in our relationship to God? Most of you are somewhat familiar with this young lady named Mary. It was absolutely normal for her as a young lady to be pledged to be married, okay, to be engaged, to be betrothed soon after her, her uh, um, puberty was obvious. Now, some people will say, oh, you know, they got engaged when she was like 10 years old. Okay, listen, we have absolutely no understanding whatsoever of however old Mary was when this all took place. We really don't. What we know is it was not unusual for a young lady to get married somewhere around 14, 15, 16 years of age back then. And, you, you know, it's kind of like some of us old people say today, you know, we were way more mature back then. We were way more mature than kids are today, okay? There's no Xboxes back then. You know, they hit four and five, and they got to go get the cattle from a mile down the field, things like that. It's like, we, you know, your grandparents and your parents made you grow up back then, and you were part of the family. The family was not part of you. You were birthed into a family. And so we recognize that, yeah, there were some things going on there. But there was no living together, no sexual interaction, no relationship during the betrothed period. But the, the, the engagement was taken so serious, unlike today, it was taken so serious that in order to get out of an engagement back then, you had to write a writ of divorcement. And then you had to give all the reasons, and they had to be um, reasons that fit the law, the law of Moses. And that's what it took to undo it, because God takes marriage that serious. Okay, so there was nothing to suggest that Mary was 13. Personally, I choose to believe she's like 16 or 17 years old. That's just where I am. That's just what I'm doing. I like to think that when Mary went to Bethlehem, that Joseph put her on a donkey. That's just what I like. There is nothing in the Scripture to support that. But I like to believe that he was the kind of guy that went out and bought her a car, put her in the car, and took her to Bethlehem, okay? Back then, the car had four legs and ate corn and bit people, okay? That's just the way donkeys are. Some of you have donkeys at your house, and that's, you know that's how donkeys are. I like to believe that Joseph cared for Mary to that degree. I do, okay? But we don't know that for a fact. We know that Mary was devout. We know that Mary was devout enough that God sent the angel Gabriel to her, we know that the angel Gabriel was not something that shocked Mary, because I don't know about you, but I'm just telling you, Gabriel shows up in my office or in my bedroom, okay? I can't handle Frank, my dog, walking over to my bed, licking my face at 5.30 in the morning and wanting breakfast. It scares the living daylights out of me when he does it. It just wakes me up in a hurry, okay? He's a big dog, and if he wants food, he's going to have some, 
but he's given me that shot to go decide how much. And so I, I, Mary didn't say, whoa, there's an angel in my bedroom. What Mary was shocked at was what manner of greeting this was. Why does an angel show up in my bedroom and say, Mary, you who are highly favored of God. And Mary says, whoa, whoa, where is this going? Just like you and I would once we got past, you know, the angel part. You notice that she doesn't say, hey, those are some big wings you got there, buddy. Once again, believe it or not, we don't ever hear anybody talk about angels with wings. We hear them talk about cherubims with wings. And we hear them talking about um, beings that are flying with wings. But the words that are used are a little different. You don't hear Michael being talked about as having wings. You don't hear Gabriel talking, talked about as having wings. You don't hear um, Lucifer talked about as having wings. You just hear this angel showed up. And Mary's question was, hey, I've never been with a guy. <laughs> How's this going to happen? Unlike Zechariah, John's dad, who said, What? Do you know how old I am? And began to doubt him and basically said, You're going to have to prove this one to me. And the Lord said, Then you're going to be quiet for the next nine months while I work this out. I wouldn't doubt that there are some women in here that would suggest that that would be a good thing. If I've got to be a pregnant, then you've got to be quiet. You know, for nine months. We don't want to hear from you. It's like, whoa. But we see this picture and how it's coming together. And then Elizabeth, who we know as Mary's relative, if you translate the word appropriately, we can say cousin, we can say aunt, plug what you want, but the word is relative. Mary went to see her. Mary was barren. Mary had a child. Excuse me. Elizabeth was barren. Elizabeth had a child. Mary had never been with a man. Mary had a child, and so she ends up going to see Elizabeth. Mary does, and she wants to talk to her. And I was thinking about hoping and hoping for Mary, because I'm hoping for Mary. I really am. I don't know what you've been hoping. We just came through a great season, didn't we? You know, um, all of these guys, you came through that season, you got some, like big deer. I got nothing. Oh, you thought I meant Thanksgiving. I didn't mean Thanksgiving. I meant deer season, deer rifle season. Yeah, yeah. In May. I scheduled myself off for deer gun season. This year, I was going to be the pastor in the woods instead of at church because I'm tired of all of you being in the woods. You're probably in the woods right now watching me. I know who you are, okay? He's in that camera, okay? But I was going to be the guy sitting in the woods saying, I'm just being with the Lord in the woods. You know, I can do church out here. And I was going to do all the excuses. And then my son came and said, hey, Papa, we're going to get married. And I said, in December. And they said, yeah, maybe December. Then they came back and said, we picked a date. And I said, when is it? And they said, November 12th. And I was no longer hoping for Mary during deer season because I was not going to be out there. I said, so you're getting married at night? They're like 5 o'clock. It's like, no, you don't go deer hunting in the morning even. You just don't do it. So I didn't get to do that. But we're hoping for Mary. We're hoping. And now I'm hoping for Christmas. What are you hoping for in Christmas? Not Mary. Don't say, oh, Mary, I'm with you, Joe. Mary. No, no, no. What are you hoping for? Not like what are you hoping is under the tree, but not, not that. When we say Christmas 2022, what are you hoping for? Family gathered together? Healthy everybody so that we can get together? What do you hope for Christmas? Family to get along? To communicate with each other? 
When Christmas hit, Mary didn't know it was Christmas. See? She was hoping to get through the, um, the, the census maybe without having that baby. We don't know. Maybe Jesus came early. He might have. Because she had to walk all the way to Bethlehem or ride that donkey that I said Joseph gave her. See? And so Mary was hoping for her future when she got engaged to Joseph. She had a lot of hoping going on. She was hoping for children, hoping for a house, hoping that her husband had a great job, hoping that things would continue to unfold and her relationship to God would grow. She was hoping. Mary's family were hoping for this magnificently beautiful ceremony. Probably dowries had changed hands and things were moving forward and they were getting close and they were excited. I don't know, but I know that sometimes those weddings could last seven days of family coming together and celebrating and having fun and eating and just enjoying each each other's company and celebrating the couple and believe it or not the law of Moses says that once you get married then you're not allowed to go to war for 12 months you're if you're newly married you're not allowed to fight in a war for 12 months because your job is to stay home and make your wife happy that's that's straight up from the word of God in the Old Testament it's straight that's straight up okay I just threw that in for free it has nothing to do with Christmas nothing at all but it's amazing and that's what Mary was hoping for. Mary's family. Mary's family. I'm sure. I don't know if she's the firstborn or the first one to get married, but, but I know how parents are. Mary's family's hoping for grandkids. They're just like, like me. I'm just like them. I get it. My kids get married, and I'm like, okay, amen, Mr. and Mrs. Wood, Mr. and Mrs. whatever it happened to be. Hey, when are you guys going to have kids? And they're like, let us be married for a little bit. And I'm like, no. I need grandchildren. I need more. That's the deal. Mary's family was hoping for grandkids. Joseph was hoping for a wife. Joseph dared to dream because hope is about dreaming. Hope is about dreaming. Joseph was hoping for his wedding. He was hoping. Joseph was hoping for a celebration with his family and his friends and building a house for his wife and moving her in and all the people patting him on the back and congratulating for finding a wife because he who finds a wife finds a good thing, the Scripture says. And then they had to go to Bethlehem. And then Joseph was hoping for a room. Man, we're going to knock on this, this hotel door. And man, I just hope that they've got a room. And can't you just see him knocking on the door? And poor Mary's walked a couple of miles. And, and, and she's just like wore out. And she's just like, give us a room. My wife and I used to ride motorcycle a lot. And we'd gone around um, West Tennessee and come back through. And we came up into Nashville. And we said, let's just stay the night in Nashville. We've been on a motorcycle for like six and a half, seven hours. And it was hot. And it was summer. And we were dressed like we belonged on a motorcycle. And, and I said, where do you want to stay? We'll go to the inn. And she said, don't take me to the Quality Inn and don't take me to the Dewdrop Inn. You will take me to the Hampton Inn in downtown Nashville. And I said, I will take you wherever you want because that's how I do her. It's like, girl, I'm going to make your dream come due. We're going to stay at the Hampton Inn. And we rolled in there and, and I said, go in there and knock on there and see if they got a room at the inn for us. And I was hoping for a room, and my wife was hoping for a room, and my wife walked in and stepped up to the counter, and they said, can I help you? And she said, yes, we're hoping for a room. And I kid you not, they looked her down, and they looked her back up, and they looked her in the eye and said, we don't have any room for you. And my wife came out of that hotel so hot, I wasn't sure I wanted her on my motorcycle. 
It was like she was about to do something to somebody, I mean, the innkeeper that was in there. And it was like, yikes, she was hoping for an inn, a room, a comfortable one. Why do we hope? We hope because we're a humanity without a future, without a God. If we don't have hope, we don't have anything. Nothing. We're cut off from our Father God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption into sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, that God loves us, saves us, and is coming to get us. In this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Israel was occupied by pagans. And they wondered, where is God? Maybe some of you in here right now, are like you're like, I'll go to church, but man, where's God? Where's God in my relationship? Where's God in my celebration? Where was God in my thanksgiving? Where's God in my family? Where's God in the way I grew up? Where's God in the way I was treated? Where is God? The Romans were sophisticated, but they were filthy. And, and no, this, this country and this humanity has not risen to that level yet. We really haven't. If you study ancient Rome, they were smart and sophisticated, but they were filthy and immoral, and we have not gotten there quite yet. And they were oppressive, and they were abusive, and it was ridiculous. And it was in this situation, this lifestyle, that Jesus said to the Jewish people, if a Roman soldier demands that you carry his uniform, his armor, his shield, his stuff, a mile, then you carry it two miles and let's just give more than we take. Let's just suffer it in a way that makes us winners because we chose to do it. Hope seen is no hope at all. See, we lose hope when we give up on God. We lose hope when we set God up. And we say, well, if God saves me and God loves me, then he should do this and he should do this and he should do this and he should do this. And when he doesn't do these things for us, like we told him he needs to, then we kind of give up on him. We give up our hope and we say, where is God? We feel cheated. We feel ignored. We feel rebuked. We feel rejected. And sometimes we feel left out. Kind of the way I felt when I understood that there was a Holy Spirit and he had gifts and I didn't know if I had any. And I began to say, why not us, Lord? Why not here? Why not now? What's the deal? Why do we want to talk about hope? Why are we looking at hope? Because we have no home here. We have no home here in this place. We are described in the Scriptures as strangers, aliens, ambassadors, sojourners, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people belonging to God, not a people belonging to this world, not a people belonging to a nation of this world. As Christian people, we are defined as a people belonging to God, a nation of people from other nations. And the fact of the matter is we will live forever but it will not be on this planet. So this place is not our home. And as ambassadors, we're just here at the embassy, so to speak. Don't get comfortable. 
In writing the book of Hebrews, Paul says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. He looked forward in hope, but he did not count this as his home because the writer goes on to say, people who talk like this don't consider that they have already arrived at home. So this is not home for you and I. But there's a subtle warning that we might miss sometime that when we become so much like the world, we should stop and say, are we following Jesus? Are we getting too entrenched in the world and too entranced by the world? It was Jesus that said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I'm going to hold on there, but let that stay up there for me if you would, please. And it's like we've got this understanding from Jesus Well, I'm going to read it. He goes on to say, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy? That means preach, okay? It means retell, tell, and foretell what God Almighty is saying. Did we not preach in your name? Did we not in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Not try to perform uh, perform miracles, but actually accomplish the miracles. And I will tell them plainly, Jesus said, I never knew you. Get away from me you unchristian, ungodly people. Evildoers, it means people who aren't doing what God wants. Don't, don't go a lot further than that. And so we stop, and I, I, I see this passage, and every once in a while I say to myself, as I look in the mirror, why isn't this you, Joe? Why isn't this God talking to you? Because a lot of people in Christian churches in America today, they understand the gospel of Jesus Christ as a ticket out of hell. And they think if they say the magic words that they will get this ticket and they won't go to hell. But it doesn't reflect a relationship with God. It reflects reflects an understanding of what Jesus did. And the goal of Jesus Christ is to put you into a relationship with him on a daily basis. This morning when I woke up and I was looking in the barrel of a... 115-pound Canet Corso that was getting ready to lick my face. And I said, don't you do it. Because I opened my eyes when he was breathing on me. I got ready to get up, but before I get up, I've taken it a habit that I want to pray to God first. And so I began with the Lord's Prayer, but I rewrite it in my my head. Instead of our Father which art in heaven, it's Lord God Almighty who is seated on the throne in heaven. I'm here because I want to talk to you, Lord. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. In order to do the will of the Father, you've got to stay in a a close personal relationship with Him. Your relationship isn't something you did because of something He did. It's something you are because of something He did. He bought you back into the family so that you could wake up and say, Hello, Dad. What do you want from me now? And I asked the Lord if he didn't want to mess up the sermon, wreck the service, have us do something different. It didn't matter to me what it is. We'll start over today. That was my prayer this morning. Because we need to be in a close personal relationship with Jesus 
not in a close personal relationship with a ticket out of hell. What is God asking of you? If I invited you to coffee, listen, any of you guys can have coffee with me anytime you want to as an individual. Any of you ladies can have coffee with Pastor Janice anytime you want to. And any of you can have coffee with both of us, again, anytime that you want to call me. And the financial advisory board of this church said, look, we're going to give that money to you and we're going to put it in that column that says take people out and have coffee with them and get to know them and understand them and pray with them and love on them and do the things and pay for it so they don't have to. Look, I just got you free coffee. We just settled the budget, so I'm really glad that's done. I always get a little anxious when that's going on. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about being in this relationship. And it's about growing in this relationship. It's about meeting together and continuing to move forward and say, hey, Lord, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What's going on here? How do we grow here? How do we do these things? And we want to do that. But if I were to sit you down over a cup of coffee, a latte with only four pumps of vanilla instead of five, and I was to look you in the eye and I was to say to you, what is Jesus saying to you lately? Because I believe that the Lord speaks to us. In order for you and I to know to do His will, He has to speak to us. I do not believe that God is not talking to His children. He did not love us so much to die on the cross and then say, sit down and leave me alone. Children should be seen and not heard. And yet there are people all over that call themselves Christians that believe that. God still speaks to His children. And if I sat down with you, and I asked you, what is God saying to you? And this is what I asked myself about 20 years ago. And I said to myself, wow, I don't even know if he is. It scared me. Do I know Jesus if Jesus isn't talking to me? Am I married to Janice if I'm not living in the house and talking to her? A certificate doesn't mean diddly squat if we're not in a relationship. And it was God that said marriage is a reflection of our relationship to Him. And we need to be aware of that. We have no home here. We don't belong here. And so we need this hope because you and I, the goal is to leave here. Last thing, why hope? Why hope? Because life didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to, did it? We've got these big ideas. Big ideas about life, big ideas about marriage, big ideas about raising kids, big ideas about planting churches, big ideas about lunch today. We've got big ideas about lunch. It doesn't often turn out the way you want it to. And then you've got to decide, wow, what happened? What's going on? Lord, I need hope. I don't want to give up. Give up. I don't want to walk out. I'm not leaving. That's not going to happen. Because when we understand that it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, but God is still at work, we have hope. Book of Hebrews again says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. That's a reference to baptism. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. What do you hope in? For he who promised is faithful. Abraham, 25 years from the time that God said, Come and follow me until... He got his son and got to see the promised land 25 years. How long have you been waiting for your hope? Abraham, excuse me, Joseph, 20 years from the time that he had his dream till he found himself in Egypt, and then even more till he found himself Pharaoh's right-hand man. 
20 plus years. How about Moses? 40 years he's born to a, uh, to a Jewish woman, an Israelite, put in a basket, captured by Pharaoh's daughter. 40 years he eats the best of the best of the best, is instructed and educated with the best of the best of the best, and then kills a guy. And then 40 more years he goes from the palace to following sheep and goats and eating grasshoppers and living in the dirt and wearing dirty sandals and taking a bath in the creek and all the things. 40 years! He's 80 years old when the Lord shows up and says, Hey, Moses! And Moses could have said, And what manner of greeting is this? That this bush is on fire, just like Mary did. I'm not afraid of you talking to me, God. I'm just afraid that you are talking to me. He says, Moses, I got a job for you, buddy. And Moses said, You got the wrong guy. Send my brother. I don't speak well. And he began to make excuses. Because Moses, I believe, had lost his hope. 80 years old. 80 years old. And he's a shepherd in the desert, married to a pagan's daughter. Two sons. Hasn't seen his family in 40 years. How long have you been waiting for your hope? Are you living obedient? As you go into the Christmas season, you are the only person, until you share it, that is aware of the circumstance that you're going through that demands that if you're going to make it, you hope. We have to hope. We have to hope. You know why we hope? Because we want to believe that there is a God who hears us and who interacts with us. We have to hope we, because we believe that God has not stopped talking to us and he has not stopped listening to his children. We have hope because we see him doing it in other places. So we have hope. But not everybody does. What is it on, on November 27, 2022? What is it that keeps you from hoping in Christ in God, in Christmas, but you're still coming to church. But you're just afraid to hope because you feel like God's ignored you. I believe this one thing as I was writing this and thinking about my own hope for Christmas. This is what I was thinking about. I believe that hope is birthed and nurtured like a seed in the act of repentance. I believe that. I do not, I'm not somebody who believes that repent or repentance is a bad word. Because when the Lord says, Joe, you repent, I can stand up and say, yeah, the Lord's talking to me. I know exactly what he's saying. He's saying, stop sinning. And I get to repent. And just because he's spanking my bottom doesn't mean it's not good for me. He loves me. He's correcting me. But I believe that when I repent, that I have the opportunity to dream again in the fear. Hope doesn't have fear. Nightmares have fear. Dreams have hope. And that's why we like hope. That's why we like dreams. But nightmares have fear attached to them. We don't like those. I believe there might be something that each of us could stop and say, you know what, Lord? I need to repent of my attitude. I need to repent of what I've been saying about people. I need to be 
I need to repent of some sin. I need to repent of not thanking you enough or being mad at you because you didn't do what I wanted. I need to repent of trying to be God and not letting you be God. But I need to repent, Lord, because I want my hope back. I want to do the things I did when I first surrendered to Jesus. That's where we want to be. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that's where it starts. God, you can have my life. Thank you for saving me through Jesus Christ. What do you want now? That's the only option we have. As we go into Christmas, it is a season of hope. Let's snatch our hope back from the enemy. Fathers, we bow our heads before you. We thank you and we praise you that Christmas is a time of hope. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the love that you give through Jesus Christ, not just in the manger, but on the cross, not just on the cross, but in an empty tomb, not just on an empty tomb, but seated at the right hand of the throne of grace, God, always interceding on our behalf. In the name of Jesus, we speak against the enemy right here and now by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not because of our righteousness, O Lord, as Daniel said, Lord, but because of your great name, we come and we take hold of this as children of yours, bought with the blood of Jesus brought into the family business of pushing the darkness back. God, we don't accept the attack of the enemy on our own lives. And we invite you, God, to raise us back up to hope again, to raise us back up to dream again, to raise us back up to dare again. We thank you for this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to your feet. These people are up here to pray with you. They would love to pray with you if you just say, I want hope again. Or if you say, I want a specific hope again. Can we just pray with you while we sing this song? You just come up here.